This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Imagine if new information doctors learned from treating a cancer patient here in Ontario could be immediately available to help tailor a treatment for someone in St. John or Iqaluit. That's the idea behind a $150 million item in last week's pre-election budget. The money will create a Marathon of Hope cancer network in the name of Terry Fox, so cancer centres from coast to coast can share data to personalize therapies using the newest precision medicine. I talked with Dr. Victor Ling, President and Scientific Director of the Terry Fox Research Institute. Cancer centers across the country, uh, such as uh, from the West Coast, it would be like the BC Cancer Agency, and then uh, in Ontario, it would be like Princess Margaret Hospital, in Quebec, it would be the, the McGill Cancer Center, and, and the Montreal Cancer Center. Uh, and other cancer centers across the country have agreed to come together and work together to uh, share information, share knowledge, share data uh, in an area which we believe is the future of cancer research and eventually cancer treatment. This is what we call precision medicine. Precision medicine, it takes into account the particular genetic makeup of a patient's cancer, not just the body part, right? Not just the body part. It's both the normal genetics, the cancer genetics. They also take advantage of imaging. Uh, so, you know, uh, we would do use uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence to, to pick out things that we might or might not be able to detect now, but we may be in the future. Uh, we will also use more advanced technology such as not only genetic, but what do we call epigenetics, which is uh, information that are not part of the um, DNA, but they are um, more environmentally influenced changes. I know that there has been collaboration, notably between Princess Margaret and BC, but other cancer centers as well, in particular areas like pancreatic cancer. And we have funded those. The Terrified Research Institute have been funding big team science, I think, for the last 10 years uh, or more, and bringing together teams of researchers across the country, physicians and scientists working together. How this is different is that we're not asking the organization to see if the information within their own database could be shared. In other words, in a research project, and this gets a little complicated, the information is the research project is stored in the scientists' computer, laptops, and also in, in their institutions, the database as well. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, make sure that uh, in the future, in precision medicine, all this information is captured within the organization to be shared with each other so that future generations and future doctors and scientists can have access to it. It sounds kind of obvious, but I guess it isn't. <laughs> well, it's not obvious, uh, Libby, because, um, you know, in Canada, uh, we have uh, provincial uh, jurisdictions, so the provinces have their own way to do health care. 
And so for research, it's okay to share information. But once we get into treatment, I think we really have to figure out a way to share information in a more efficient and way. For example, in, in our research project, we have to make sure that you know every uh, jurisdiction have their each individual ethics approval for the study, which is the right thing to do. But all these things take time, and sometimes the administration of trying to get approval for a, a very uh, let's say uh, a high-end study takes a lot of work to do. What we hope in the future by creating this uh, network of cancer centers that uh, once the cancer centers agree then the ethics approval for doing a clinical trial, for example, or a certain experimental study across the country would be much easier to do. And how will that equalize access to the best treatment across the country? Right now, of course, it's easier for people in major centers to have access to the best doctor, the best information, and so on. But we hope that with the network of cancer centers, there will be outreach to all the remote areas and people that are now in underserved area as well. Dr. Victor Ling, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Well, I enjoy talking with you. Thank you. Bye. That was Dr. Victor Ling. The initiative will be launched in Newfoundland on April the 12th, the place and date where Terry Fox dipped his artificial leg in 1980 before he started his cross-country run to raise money for cancer research. He's five foot two, and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. That is iconic Canadian singer, author, and activist Buffy St. Marie singing her peace anthem, Universal Soldier. The song was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2005. Now the writer is about to receive the same honor. I chatted with Buffy after she got the news. It's exciting. It's always nice, but it doesn't all come to an artist when they're at their most creative or when they're reaching the most people or when they ought to or when they write their best song or their worst song or anything. It just happens according to business, I think. So, you know, you don't take it too seriously. What can you tell us about being an artist and practicing your art at 78? It's basically a person making music. And that's, that's really where it begins and ends. But even though that's where it begins and ends, there still is a middle to it. And the middle to it is everybody else. So for the artist, hearing a song in your head when you're 3 or 4 or 5 or 6 or 12 or 16 or 27 or 38 or 40, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Uh, other people, some other people are hearing the music some of the time. And sometimes nobody's hearing it but you, and other times the whole world is hearing it. (laughs) So you kind of roll with it and say, you know what, it's all good. And on the days when nobody's hearing it and nobody's going, yay, Buffy, let's give her an award, I still have songs coming into my head the same way I did as a a kid. And and that's really the biggest pleasure. And, And if the business or your fellow artists or, you know, a whole lot of fans can... Uh, be part of it and turn it into an honoring and a sweet moment. It's nice, but it's the candle on the cake. It's not even the frosting. It's a, it's a candle on the cake, and it's really very, very nice.
when I was 21, talking about genocide um, on big-time television, getting, you know, in magazines and things, people were saying, oh, she's so young, she, the little Indian girl must be mistaken, she, what could she know, you know, she's just fresh out of college with a freaking PhD. <laughs> so all your life, I think, people tend to gravitate towards, I don't know, categorizing us in, in one way or another. I think it's a big mistake to fear being, you know, 16 or 21 or 28 or any age at all. They've all they're all good. Every year is good. I feel pretty much just exactly the same way as I did when I was in college. You, of course are and have always been an indigenous rights activist. And those issues uh, are getting a lot more attention now. But where do you think we are at in terms of reconciliation? Oh, I think it's, I think it's a start. It's certainly better than it was 50 years ago when I was trying to tell people about genocide in North America. And it was just, you know, that was the big quote, the little Indian girl must be mistaken, because genocide could not have happened here, not by nice people like us. The good news is that more people know about it now. And I think that's huge. I think that's a big impact because I remember when nobody would believe it. Now the work has been done, at least with regard to residential schools. So that's a start. Do you have any upcoming projects you want to tell us about? I'm writing a screenplay, which could turn out to be a musical screenplay. And I have a whole bunch of children's books coming out, probably 2020. There's a big book going to be coming out. And then a whole lot of other children's books that I'm doing. Some of them I'm illustrating myself. Some other artists are illustrating with me. And some of them have to do with animals, because that's my, that's my happy passion. <laughs> that was Buffy St. Marie. She will receive the honor tomorrow night at the SOCAN Awards. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.